All right, so let's go on to God's word. Uh, this morning we've been um, looking at uh, the last couple of weeks. We've been looking at how um, church is central. Um, Christ and church are central to our lives. And that's how God has ordained it to be. And this is the one thing that Jesus is doing in this world is to build his church. And Matthew's gospel chapter 16 and verse 18 says that. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is responding um, in this conversation to Peter, he says, uh, now I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not uh, overcome it. I tell you uh, that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So we've been talking about how, what is church? What is church? Church is not a building, church is not a Sunday morning event, church is not just about a, a religious, you know, set of rituals that is performed by a priest and uh, um, some parishioners gather together to experience some, uh, uh, some, you know, religious experiences, you know, in a religious environment. It's not about that. But we look at how church is... Um, Church is um, a community of God's people who are set apart for God. Let's go back to just get a recap uh, of what we've been talking about last couple of weeks. And that will just help us to uh, grasp the idea of what is church and why this is so important for us and for our lives is because if this is something that is important to Christ, if this is something that he is doing in this world, it's important that we are part of it. And so talking about what is church, church is a community of disciples. Church is primarily a community of disciples. Christianity is not a privatized religion. It's not just about uh, one person. It's not just about an individual. It's... Um, not just about me and my experience, but uh, church, I think we should have this light on, uh, Paul. Uh, church is about experiencing uh, a community life. Church is about um, experiencing Christ in community and living together as God's people because God was always about setting apart a people for himself right from the beginning of time. He set apart a people holy for himself right from the beginning this uh, began uh, you know from the time when God called Noah God called Abraham God called Isaac and Jacob made him into a, a community of God's people and uh, established them in the teachings and gave them instructions as to how they all ought to live their lives and raised up elders for them who would lead them, teach them the word of God and uh, appointed leaders for every tribe. And uh, so in the ancient Israel, it was a tribe of tribes. It was a family of many families together. And so, and God set apart a people for himself and right from the, and this is all through scripture, you see the unfolding of this God's plan, unfolding of God's plan through the ages. Through the ages, the unfolding of God's plan right from Genesis. And see, you see God is setting apart a people for himself for all eternity. 
and uh, and so he made uh, this was his kingdom a kingdom of priests uh, who would serve him and that's what we read in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 6 that he made for himself a kingdom of priests the whole nation of Israel that they would live their life uh, before God as his, his people as holy people and uh, and that through them the nations of the world will know uh, the God of Israel the one true living God and that they would come to the knowledge of him through them this was God's plan and you see this unfolding all through scriptures which we call as the, um, the meta narrative through the scriptures or the one long story of the Bible it's a story of the redeemed it's not just the story of redemption of God delivering man from sin but it's also the story of the redeemed as to how the redeemed walked before God how they lived in community <coughs> as his people and uh, so this was an unfolding of God's plan through the ages we looked at that uh, from uh, Genesis onwards you see and then God is sending prophets to continue to teach them and call people to be his people and to continue to walk according to his teachings and his word and then uh, comes in the fullness of time Jesus comes and he is born and uh, uh, he comes to uh, bring forth salvation through Israel to the nations to the Gentiles also uh, because God's heart is not just for Israel but God's heart is for everyone for all the world and so God so loved the world that he gave his son and uh, and so when Jesus came he ushered in the kingdom he came announcing uh, or announcing the coming of his kingdom and he said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand that was one central message that Jesus preached everywhere calling people that here the kingdom that they were expecting uh, has come because uh, they had you know during the time of the judges and time of Saul they had rejected God as king and until then God himself was their king as a kingdom of priests God was ruling and reigning over their lives but because they rejected God as king <coughs> and sought for earthly kings now God himself as the king of kings and the lord of lords has come and taken upon himself humanity and he stepped into time and space and came into this world to redeem Israel and redeem the nations of the world and so he died and rose again paying the penalty of the sins of all mankind and when he came in ushering in the kingdom, he demonstrated the power of the kingdom. And so this morning we heard about how this boy was under a demonic possession, was delivered instantly. That's the demonstration of the power of the kingdom. That the kingdom is here, but the kingdom has come. It has already come. It is already, but not yet. We are not yet here in the fullness of the kingdom. There would be the consummation of the kingdom, the gathering together of all the kingdoms of the world as the kingdom of God and of his Christ. And that uh, Jesus will hand over the kingdoms of this world to God as his kingdom uh, one day where uh, the devil and all of his angels will be bound in um, you know, hell and uh, forever and ever we will be with the Lord as his chosen people. And so the kingdom has come and so we are seeing the demonstration of his kingdom and the miracle signs and wonders that Jesus did were all to demonstrate the, the power of his kingdom and to reveal that Jesus is the Messiah. It was not just for miracles sake, it was not just for, you know, for the benefit of the individual alone, <coughs> but this was demonstrating the power of his kingdom, that the kingdom has come. And Jesus comes and says, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 as we read 
he says i will build my church and the gates of hades will not prevail against it and and so the one thing that jesus is building in this world is his church when we talk about church we're talking about a community of disciples we're not talking about some religious organization or a structure or a, a building or a or a religious event we're not talking about just some christian culture but we're talking about a community of god's people who are set apart for god um and this is the one thing that jesus is building and that's his strategy of establishing his kingdom and so the church um this is a grand strategy it's a grand strategy of establishing <coughs> his kingdom the church is the grand strategy of establishing his kingdom and so how is the kingdom of god established in the world today it is by it's by calling out a community of people <coughs> who would follow him and so we looked at many things uh, we're not going to go back into all of that this morning we're going to uh, soon look at um last week what we looked at last sunday coming back to ephesians in chapter number 3 um would you turn with me to ephesians chapter 3 verse 7 to 11 uh, just to remind us about what we looked at last week and so the first thing that we looked at was the unfolding of god's plan through the ages <coughs> the second thing that we're looking at is uh, how church is central central to god's plan for this age you find that in the job description that was given to apostle paul um in ephesians chapter 3 and verses 7 to 11 I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me. This grace, this job description, this uh, grace was given to me. What is that? Number 1, uh, to preach the gent- to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The one thing that God called him to do was to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He would also talk about that in Galatians. In fact, um, as I was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, Peter was called to be an apostle to the Jews. Let me see if I can find that. Yes, in chapter 2 of Galatians, read with me in verse number 7 and 8. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. You see that same repetition of what uh, Paul is writing to, to the church at Ephesus in chapter 3 and verse 8 he talks about although i'm less of the least uh, less than the least of all god's people this grace was given me to preach to the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ so the calling was to go as an apostle to the gentiles and second job description is there in verse 9 in Ephesians 3 and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things and so 
the one thing that he was called to do is as an apostle to the Gentiles. And secondly, to do the administration, to reveal the administration of this mystery, which is the church. When we talk about the administration, it's not about the... Um, the administrative work that is involved in a church, in other, uh, for a lot of people, administration is simply like uh, an administrative department that works in, a, in any organization, any entity, in any uh, government uh, you know, organization or anywhere where you have an administrative department that takes care of the you know, human resources and the, uh, you know, the finances or the uh, maintenance of the building and the uh, functioning, smooth functioning of the uh, whole you know, organization is not just that kind of an administration, but this is the, um, the Greek word is oikonomos, which means house order. What, what is the order with which, what is the, because we as a uh, church, as a community of disciples are basically a family of families, as a community of God's people, and there is a certain order with which God wants us to function. There's a house order. How do we set our lives in order? How do we set our families in order? How do we set our marriages in order? A children-parent relationship, husband-wife relationship, slaves-master relationship. How do we live? <coughs> There's a certain order. And how do we order our community life? And what is the mission uh, that we ought to be fulfilling? That, that job description Paul has been given with and which he actually is writing through the 13 epistles which he writes in the New Testament. <coughs> Read with me in verse number, um, verse 10 and 11. Someone can read it loud, 10 and 11. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The manifold wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this was God's intent that through the church, this manifold wisdom, this mystery that was hidden, this, this idea that church is something that Jesus is building, which is a grand strategy of building his kingdom, which was hidden in ages past, which was not even known to the angelic beings, is now being made known. His intent was that now through the church, this idea of the church, that this is central to God's plan for this age, is made known even to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, which is according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ. And so in Christ, he saved the lost. He brought salvation to the Gentiles also. Because until then, it was only the Jews who enjoyed the covenant, who enjoyed the blessings, who enjoyed the promises, who knew God, who were the chosen people of God. But now, through the church, now this manifold wisdom of God, that it is not only Jews who are called, set apart as his people, but Jews and Gentiles, this wisdom of God, which was once hidden, is now made, being made known. And this was his eternal purpose. It's not an afterthought. 
it's not just jesus you know suddenly you know one morning after he died and rose again thought to himself oh what do i do with my disciples after i've gone you know let me give them some something to do and so he didn't start up this church <laughs> so that they can survive because until then he was taking care of them and feeding them and he he had something for them to do all the time they were going around with him but it was not an afterthought for just something for the disciples to go do about you know go around doing but this has been his eternal purpose from the beginning his eternal purpose that he would set apart a people for himself that he would set apart not just the jews for himself but jews and gentiles together which is the church and the church is a community of disciples who are learning living and teaching the teachings of christ and living as his people in this world glorifying and honoring him and serving him and making an impact in the world today and calling and assisting him in setting apart more people for himself for all eternity so that ultimately the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of god and so this is central to god's plan for this age amen are you with me this morning are you able to see that and so you see the unfolding of god's plan through the ages and you see how this is central to christ's plan for this age which is a mystery which is unfolding in uh, and through the church <coughs> through what god has revealed to apostle paul and thirdly this morning we're going to be looking at this and there's a pattern there's a model you see in the word of god as to how how god is setting apart a people for himself and what the early apostles did and you see that as a pattern unfolding in the book of acts and the new testament and very specifically in the book of acts because the intent of luke in writing acts is very clear when the first four verses luke says that <clears throat> you know he's writing this the book of acts to actually reveal of what jesus continues to do and to teach in and through the apostles by the holy spirit read with me in acts of the apostles chapter number 1 acts of the apostles chapter number 1 in my former book theophilus <coughs> which is luke i wrote about someone can read verses 1 to 3 uh, 1 to 3 in fact in my former book theophilus i wrote about all that jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the holy spirit to the apostles he had chosen after his suffering he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of god so in my former book the of less i wrote about all that jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the holy spirit to the apostles he had chosen and acts is simply a continuity of the book of luke of the gospel of luke and so when you read scriptures you need to understand that we need we need to be reading luke and acts together because what jesus began to do and teach he began with you know the uh, uh, gospel of luke and continues on it's a continuity of that in acts but in acts you see what jesus continues to do and teach not by himself but by the uh, through the apostles by the 
power of the Holy Spirit, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so you see the Spirit of God leading them, but as he led them, this is the one thing that you see which is unfolding, where they are actually, uh, it's the unfolding of the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? What is the Great Commission? At least can you give the reference? Matthew's Gospel? Chapter 28, even if you wake up in your sleep in the middle of the night, you should be able to recite this. Matthew 28, 19 and verses 19 and what does it say? Therefore go into go all the world. Yes. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. What was the commission that he gave? Go and make disciples of all nations. Set apart people for myself of all nations. Disciples, a disciple is a learner, a disciple is a student, a disciple is one who learns, lives and teaches the teachings of the master. He follows the master and his teachings. That's who a disciple is. Is that right? All right. And so go and make disciples of all nations. That's the great commission. And you see the unfolding of this great commission. The central part of this great commission is making disciples. By how? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and continuing to teach them all that Jesus has commanded them. So make disciples. But how do they go and make disciples? By planting and multiplying Christ's communities. Are you with me this morning? The way by which the early disciples who first time hearers of the great commission went, what did they do? What they were commissioned to do, go and make disciples. They did not make individual disciples and leave them alone. But what did they do? They made disciples. They preached the gospel, baptized them. And they were baptized and formed together. They gathered together as communities of Christ. As community of disciples. And they continue to plant communities of disciples everywhere. And this is the way the Great Commission was fulfilled by the early apostles, the first time hearers. And so when you look at this, it gives you an idea of how we must today go about fulfilling the Great Commission. If setting about a people for himself, a community of disciples right from the beginning, was the unfolding of God's plan through the ages. If setting apart a people for himself and building his church, if that is God's plan for this age, which is revealed through Apostle Paul, and if the first century early disciples went about fulfilling the Great Commission by planting and multiplying Christ's communities, should that not be something that we must be engaged in also? Amen. You see the three points there. If this is unfolding of God's master plan through the ages, and if this church is central to Christ's plan for this age, and if you find a model in scriptures as to how the early disciples actually fulfilled the great commission, you see a pattern where a Pauline cycle, I'll explain that about it. If you see a pattern there in scriptures as to how they went and fulfilled the great commission, should we not also be doing what Christ and God is doing right from the beginning. 
Amen. Is this clear? What they did was to go and plant Christ communities everywhere. Not to make, not to just individual, you know, evangelize individuals and leave them alone. But what they did was evangelize them, baptize them. That was a commission to disciple them. In other words, to walk with them through the journey of their life, teaching them the teachings of Christ and helping them, not just lecturing to them. That's why a Sunday morning service like this is not a very um, suitable environment or a, a format for effective disciple making. Because this is lecturing mode. This is very Greco-Roman. But what we really need to do is sit together in a community and process scriptures together, learn scriptures together, understand together. There was a man and a woman who came to a large church and the pastor of that church had preached a very vibrant, powerful message, earth shaking, heaven moving, you know, hell demolishing, hell trembling sermon that morning. Have you heard such sermons? Pentecostal fame, pastors are famous for that. And so he preached this very powerful sermon and everybody was stirred up and excited. And the content of the sermon was this. It was God will fulfill the desires of your heart. Oh, wow. God will fulfill the desires of my heart. The people were very happy. And I'm sure you would be more happy too to hear a sermon like that than have some heavy teaching like this this morning. God will fulfill the desires of your heart. Very exciting. And so after the service got over, they came over to the pastor and uh, they spoke to him and said, uh, uh, Pastor, we are here for the first time. Oh, pastor is super excited. Always it's an excitement to have some new people come to any church. And then they said, uh, what you spoke, you know, was so much for us. God spoke to us through you. It's even more exciting for a pastor. He prayed all night. He worked on his sermon. He came and preached it so hard. He preached his heart out. And here's somebody coming and saying that God spoke to us. What more do you need? You know, you just have to go home, eat lunch and sleep after that. You know, so satisfying, isn't it? Somebody is touched. And then, so a little more inquiry about who they are. And they said, oh, uh, you know, we are just planning to get married. Oh, that's even more wonderful. One, you know, couple going to get married. Uh, we can help you with that. Uh, tell me a little more about you. Oh, you know, God spoke to you and said, God will fulfill the desires of your heart. That's what we prayed and came for because we both of us are married and we want to leave our spouses and join together and get married now. And God confirmed that saying, he's fulfilling the desire of your heart. And that shook him up. He said, man, I never meant that. That is not what I preached. He preached, God will fulfill the desires of your heart. They understood something else from the other side and took the same preaching and applied it wrongly to their own lives. And so that's the limitation of one-way traffic. And that's why we really need to be sitting together and processing scriptures together in smaller communities. And because we can ask those questions, we can ask, we can see and question and see, how do I apply this? What does it mean to my life? What does it mean for us? What is the scripture saying? Is it saying this or that? Have you ever had a question or a doubt like that when you read scriptures? Amen. What does it mean? Oh, that's why we need 
each other. That's why we need to be learning and, and helping one another to follow the teachings of scriptures. And that's how effective disciple making can happen. And so the disciples went and preached the gospel, baptized people, and uh, Jesus commissioned them to teach them everything and help them to observe all that he has taught. Not deliver information, but actually help them to follow whatever he has taught them. And that's how the early disciples um, made disciples. But they didn't make individual disciples and leave them alone. They put them into communities. Let's see that a little more as we go on. Turn with me um, in your Bibles to Acts of the Apostles and chapter number 13. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13 and chapter 14. We're going to go through this whole chap two chapters, but we're going to go um, just highlight a few verses here and there. You see, as they were praying and worshiping God in the church of Antioch, God, um, you know, spoke through those who were there and uh, uh, led them to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which he has called them. Verse 2, we read that. And after they had fasted and prayed, they sent them on their way, laid hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, verse 4, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And they came to Salamis and they proclaimed the word of God in Jewish synagogues. They traveled through the whole island of Paphos. They met the Jewish sorcerer there, a false prophet. Uh, they continued to preach the gospel. And they were from Paphos in verse 13, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia where John left them to uh, return to Jerusalem from Perga. They went on to Pisidian Antioch. So they went from place to place. You see this continually happening. Uh, and they preached the gospel. And from there in chapter 14 verse 1, they go to Iconium. Paul and Barnabas, they spoke to the Jews in the synagogue. And then from there they went on to verse 6. They found out about it and fled to the Laconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country proclaiming the good news. Continually they are on this missionary journey going about from place to place proclaiming the gospel. <coughs> now come down to chapter 14 and verse 21. 14 verses 21 to... Um, 24. Let's read Acts 14, 21 to 24. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came, to, came into Pamphylia and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. So what do they do? They go and proclaim the gospel in uh, all of these places and then they're coming back and they're returning back to Antioch. You see in verse 21 that they, they, they preach the good news in that city and one that city which the last city which is uh, Derbe. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and back to Antioch. You see that? So from Antioch they started, they went to uh, Paphos, Pisidian Antioch 
Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, and then back from Derbe to Lystra, Iconium, and back to the home church, the sending church, Antioch, right? So they preached the good news in all of these places. So the first thing that they did was to evangelize when they went out. Evangelize. And, and not just evangelize here and there, but they actually hit some strategic cities. You'd always see that. So they evangelized. And then on their way back, they strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. In other words, by the time they had actually, when they evangelized, they just didn't evangelize and go away. But they, whoever was, who had responded to the gospel through their evangelistic effort, when they proclaimed the gospel, they didn't just leave them alone. They didn't just sow the seed and go away. They didn't just give away Bibles and go away. They didn't just give away tracts and go away. But they evangelized and then they actually made disciples. They established them in the faith. They established them in the teachings of God's word. You see that strengthening the disciples, by the time they came, as dis, came back, there were already a group of disciples in all of these places. They established them in the teachings, all right? Strengthening the disciples, but on the way back, they continued to come back and establish them, teach them, strengthen the disciples, and encourage them to remain true to the faith. We, and what did they say? Their teaching was this. In verse number 22, you read that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Because when they were evangelized, when they accepted Christ, immediately they were persecuted for the faith. Because they no longer belong to the community of the world, but now they become the community of disciples belonging to his community and to Christ and to his community. All right. And so they were persecuted and so they encouraged them and strengthened them and taught them and saying, we must remain true to the faith. And so it says that they strengthened the disciples. In other words, there were clusters of disciples in each of these places where they had evangelized. Are you with me? Amen. And then verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for each of them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had, by the time they had discipled them and they had entrusted, the, they were entrusting these people to elders, leaders. And they continue on to go to new places to evangelize. Do you see that? Are you with me? Amen. Read it again, verse 21 to 24. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of people. They had gone from place to place evangelizing. And then they returned back to each of these places, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them. That is, these cluster of disciples in each of these cities, they entrusted them to elders, leaders. They had, by the time, taught them the teachings of the word of God. Established them in the faith so well that they were at a, raised up to be at a capacity to lead others. Entrusted them. They found at least one or two or a few families who were able to shepherd other families. And entrusted them to elders. For, for them in each church, 
so by the time a church community had formed after they had evangelized for, for them in each church each city and they entrusted them to elders they raised up people and committed them with fasting and prayer to the lord in whom they had put their trust come back to verse 24 after going through pisidia they came into pamphylia this is on their return journey and when they had preached the word in perga they went down to atalia and from atalia they sailed back to antioch where they had been committed to the grace of god for the work they had now completed so there was a completion of the task it doesn't mean that everybody in all of these cities were saved doesn't mean that all of them were baptized doesn't mean that all of them were evangelized but there was a task that was they were called to do and there was a very clear strategy by which they went and made disciples though there was a clear way by which they actually fulfilled the great commission amen there was a clear model you see a clear pattern emerging in the scriptures and this is what we call as the pauline cycle pauline cycle this is a cyclic thing pauline cycle this is something that you see repeatedly this is the way the disciples go about making disciples whether it's peter whether it's john whether it's paul but it's more very clearly explicitly found in the book of acts and the book of acts is actually the unfolding of the great commission or progress of the gospel from the jewish center jerusalem all the way to rome the gentile center because that was the power center of the then known world and so luke is actually tracing how the gospel progressed from jerusalem all the way to rome and then when it's rome he just puts a full stop and stops there basically what and that's that's why the spirit of god was given in acts chapter 1 and verse 8 the famous verse that we all know by heart probably acts 18 says but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem in all judea samaria and to the ends of the earth and at that time if you hit rome the power center of the world you from there all roads lead to rome it was very strategic for them to take the gospel to rome because by which they would be able to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and so when it finally luke closes with the rome in the book of acts and so this is how the gospel progressed from jerusalem onwards in the book of acts and this is exactly how they went about making disciples so they did not just do something when god commissioned them and sent them out as two by two and he gave them this great commission go make disciples of all nation he just didn't go pray for the needs of people he they they just didn't go and uh, do something of some charity work and some uh, social work and some this and some that here and there all of that is good but ultimately all of that should be making disciples making community of disciples of course prayer is important of course charity is important of course giving bibles is important of course giving tracts is important those are all tools or those are all methods of evangelism but ultimately what you and i should be doing is to be building community of disciples either we should be involved in evangelism 
all of us must be involved in evangelizing and we should be involved in establishing the people of god and the teachings teaching one another helping one another to grow and learn nurturing each other in the teachings of the word of god and uh, we should be involved in building up of this community of disciples. We, we are all part of this community, which is the church. And this is the pattern which you see emerging in the New Testament as to how, what Jesus is doing in and through the apostles by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what the early apostles did. Hallelujah. Amen. And you see many churches functioning in this model, in this pattern so well. And this is exactly what we must also be doing. Firstly, we must be involved in evangelizing. We must be getting established and we must establish others in the teachings of scriptures. And wherever you are and God helps you to evangelize a cluster of people, you must continue to establish them and raise up leaders. And this is how you know, the early apostles went about doing, fulfilling the Great Commission. And so this is a pattern we see emerging right there. Alright. Now Jesus is going to come, and come back for this church. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's read verses 25 to 27. So we must be involved in the building up of his church. And Christ and his church, his mission must be central to our lives. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 25 to 27. This is what Jesus is coming back for. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, you see, there is this is a, a household text where... There's a teaching about the relationship of the husband and the wife. At the same time, the teaching about Christ and his church. You know, husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make a holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or without blemish, but holy and blameless. And so Christ is coming back for his church. And so the reflection of Christ and his church is reflected in the family between the relationship of a husband and wife in the same way the wife, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, you know, and just as Christ does for the church, the husband has to do for his wife. And so you see Paul the apostle going back and forth between the relationship between a husband and a wife and Christ and his church. Because ultimately church is a family of many families. And so when individual families are set in order, then the family of God is set in order and ready for the mission that he wants us to accomplish. Amen. Hallelujah. And so there is a way by which he wants us to live as husbands and wives and that is, you know, uh, learned from how Christ loves his church and how the church submits to, the, to Christ. And this is the church for which Christ is coming and that's why it is written in the household, you know, context. Because the church itself is the household of God. Church is a family of God. Right? That's what the scripture talks about. And so our relationship with each other is not a formal, distant relationship. Like uh, you find in many other faiths. 
where uh, nobody cares about each other everybody goes and they worship god for their own benefits and they just seek uh, their gods and goddesses for their own well-being and do some religious rituals and come back and they're not bothered about the other worshiper who's standing next to them you see the whole idea of uh, how people actually connect with god is very different in the other faiths but as his people as the people of god he wants us to be in a relationship with one another and love one another and just as both within the hus- in the family as husbands and wives and also as a community of god's people together because the bible talks about how we ought to function as a community of god's people it says in first timothy in chapter 5 this is the way we relate with each other first timothy chapter 5 verse number 1 and 2 Do not do, rebuke mm. do not rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him as if he were your father treat younger men as brothers older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity right this is how the church functions this is how we relate with one another as one family of god treat the older men as fathers do not rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him as if he were your father treat him as your father treat younger men as brothers older women as mothers younger women as sisters with absolute purity this is how we relate with each other as one body of christ and you see that reflected in the church in the first century in acts of the apostles chapter 2 if you read from verses 42 to 47 you see how they lived out this community life you know modernization and postmodernization is very individualistic it's all about me even if i'm messed up it's my mess you don't mess with me that's postmodern mindset right that's postmodern mindset it's all about me it's my convenience my comforts my life it's my future it's my decision my choice that's the uh, postmodern life it's all about me right but look at acts of the apostles chapter 2 and verses 42 to 47 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and so at the heart of their community life the heart of the church is teaching establishing the people of god in the teachings that's what happened in the early church it was not motivational speaking today many people have turned out to become motivational speakers behind pulpits a tomorrow will be a better day tomorrow will be a brighter day you don't have to think about your past think of your future it's going to get better and better you're going to get richer and richer you know it's all about living your life to the fullest and enjoying your life every day and so come on this is a time to enjoy life so it's very inspiring motivational how can you you know uh, uh, exhibit your personality even better it's more of personality development motivational speaking but what did the early church do it was simply doing this they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching everybody say teaching amen today most churches have these ms music money 
you have to go you give some money and there's some media stuff that happens a lot of media right and then some massage not message the message has to be a massage it has to feel good oh you know if it feels good oh wow today pastor the anointing was amazing you know it was just earth shaking it was so exciting you were just speaking to myself it was just like a massage for me oh it was so good oh, so comforting speaking to my heart i just came broken i just came crying i just came worrying you know i was just in tears and it just so inspired me just comforted me it was just soothing to me it was just like a massage a kerala ayurvedic massage but the early church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching instructions for life how do we live life in this world how do we set our life in order how do we set our families in order how do we set our community life in order how do we you know relate with authorities in the world outside how do we relate with the pagans outside how do you carry this mission of christ to the world outside they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the fellowship and today again talking about how we have this privatized you know religion it's about me and my relationship with jesus i pray by myself i grow by myself no it doesn't happen we grow together we we learn from each other we get encouraged from each other we get inspired by each other we 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 are taught by each other amen there's so much that you have to give to others there's so much that you can receive from others fellowship is important it's not about saying hi and bye they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracles signs were done by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need come on somebody has to do that today amen some people are scared oh my god i have properties in my name what's going to happen i thought i built them all for my children my grandchildren but somebody has need why not give something amen hallelujah this is not a giving that i'm talking about what you see in the commercial christianity that you find on christian television give 50 dollars you'll get 52 blessings in 52 days that's nonsense don't watch christian television a lot of junk there selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need this was a true community life somebody had need they took care of them they helped them they served them they blessed them they shared with each other nobody basically the whole idea is everything of what i own is not mine and i'm not here going to stay forever this is for him all that belongs to me belongs has come from god all that belongs to me is for this community of god's people and that's why god has blessed me hallelujah it's to have a whole different orientation a mindset a kingdom mindset and they continued to meet together they were always connected with each other 
not just showing up once in a while once in a way is not just about you know somehow oh it's a long time since i showed up in church maybe i should go one sunday and just put some just for the tithe at least or just for the communion sunday let me just make it somehow some way no they were meeting together they were living they were basically doing life together amen hallelujah oh i need my private space this is my private space no private space of course there's a certain private space but the private space has become too private these days and nobody knows about what's going on in each other's lives and people are suffering all by themselves and struggling in life by themselves just that you know if one word of wisdom or teaching from someone you know and some word of encouragement or something that could build up our faith or someone who can journey along with us in a time of struggle could save us of a lot of foolish decisions and uh, you know wrong choices in our lives it could help us to grow and walk the right path amen hallelujah and so that helps us to be uh, you know accountable to each other and that's the kind of relationship that god wants us to have as they continue to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying the favor of all the people and the lord added to their number daily those who are being saved when we are established in our personal life when we establish the teachings as a family together and growing together in the faith as a family together and when we're growing together as a community of god's people as a family of families together you will see the lord using us mightily and we will be able to you know demonstrate the power of god in the world today because there is great power in united prayer and effort together hallelujah praise god and so this is something that jesus is coming back for is coming for his church a radiant church the kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of god and of his christ and in revelation chapter 21 verses 1 to 8 you see the new order that is in place let's read that quickly revelation chapter 21 we also already read that the other day but let's read it again revelation 21 verses 1 to 8 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this and i will be his god and he will be my son hallelujah ultimately what's the new order of reality yes we are experiencing the power of the kingdom and god is building his kingdom and establishing his kingdom by his grand strategy of you know planting and multiplying christ communities everywhere and setting apart people for himself and so we ought to be involved in setting apart more people for himself and that's the commission that he has given to us and there's a pattern we saw 
And this is a new order of reality that we are heading to. And so it's a glorious future for which God has called us for. What is this glorious future? The dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away and God is going to take us into this new reality. Amen. Where we will be with him forever and ever. And he says, I will give drink without cost from the spring of life, water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this and I will be his God and he will be my son. And so this is an amazing relationship with which, into which God has called us into. For which he's preparing us for all eternity. This was his eternal purpose. And for all eternity we're going to be with him for which he's going to come back. To take away all of those people who are part of his community. Who are following him. Who are part of his, as his set apart people. And so, very often for us, um, we have, we ourselves and our families at the heart of everything that we are and what we do. And then we come on a Sunday after Sunday, we come and we seek Christ you know, and uh, his blessings. And why we come to church is because we want his blessings. We want to seek him so that he, that you, uh, we want to seek Christ for his blessings. We want to come to the church so that for all good and bad things, we will have a church. So we have Christ in the church. I need Jesus and his church. And then I want to pray. I want his blessings so that when he blesses me, I will have a job and a good income. And so when I have a good job and good income, um, I will have great wealth and possessions. So when I have a lot of, uh, when Christ blesses me, I have a good job, good income, then I have great wealth and possessions and out of that, you know, we will be happy. That makes us very happy. And we will testify and say, it's all for me. We want to be happy. We want Christ and his church so that we will be blessed and we want us to, him to bless our family and our job, our income so that we will have great wealth and possessions and we will be happy and that's all about us. And then we will come and testify on Sunday morning and say, Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, praise the Lord. All of these things have been added unto me. Is it all about why, is this for which Christ gave his life and is this the one thing that he is doing in this whole world? based on the reflection of what we've been studying, can we just look at this question? If Christ's mission is to build his church, would you make that central to his life? Can you make Christ and his church central to your life? Me and my family. My job, business, yeah, my income, my profits, my wealth, and possessions. 
can we say it's all for Christ and building up of his community can we make Christ and this church central to our lives are you still holding on to the first diagram that I we saw where me and my family were central and everything about Christ and church job my family my income my wealth everything my joy everything is for me and my family but that context in which matthew 6:33 is written seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all these things will be added unto you is in the context of do not worry about what you will eat or what you would drink because when you seek him have him central to your life he's going to take care of all of this you don't have to be worrying about it but that's not about making that central for us but if christ mission is to build his church would you make that central to your life would you realign reprioritize reposition things in your mind and your heart and your life why do you do what you do why do you want to earn money why do you want to work hard why do you want to grow in your career why do you want to be successful why do you want to you know earn wealth and possessions why of course we need them for our homes we need them for our well being we need them for life we need them for existence of course we need education we need to be successful god makes us to be successful of course he gives us money he gives us profits he gives us wealth but all of that if christ's mission is to build his church which is a grand strategy of building his kingdom should we not be making that central to our lives whatever be your work whatever be your profession whatever be your level of income or whatever be your savings your profits your wealth ultimately is it all about two questions monetizing today the big word in the world today is is it all about monetizing or eternal lazing i don't know if there's a word like this but for my convenience of making it rhyming it's my own vocabulary you want to monetize or keep it for eternity do you want to do and get involved and focus your life and energy about monetizing things how can i earn more it's all about the money that's why jesus said you cannot serve two masters god and mammon which is money and so this becomes very central to our lives and we somehow believe that if i have more of it i'll be more happy that i'll be more secure and that has defined blessings from god also of course this is important it's needed right but do you want to be focused on things which are eternal And so if Christ's mission is to build this church would you make that central would you make Christ and his community establishing and growing his community central to your life if it is central to your life would you fulfill his mission to make disciples and plant and multiply churches or willingly participate with the church community in that process Amen these are questions that we really need to think about and reprioritize this morning and reshift our focus 
on what we are praying for. Our prayers very much determine what's up there on our heart. What is your biggest prayer request? Lord, that fellow came after me. He got his promotion. But I have not still seen a promotion in my life. Ever in my life. They only keep putting me down and putting me down. When are you going to promote me like Daniel? Did Jesus give us blood? Is the one thing that Jesus is doing is all about promotion in life? Of course he will promote us. Of course he will make us to grow. Of course he will bless our work. That goes without asking. But is it all about that? Is it all about our name? Is it all about what people think about us? Is it all about making us look impressive in the eyes of people? Is it all about money? Or do you want to look at what is eternal? Because the only thing that is going to last is Christ and his community. Hallelujah. Everything in this world will perish one day. Our money will perish one day. Our wealth will perish one day. Properties, buildings we've earned and acquired will perish one day. Amen. Even the greatest limousines will perish one day. <laughs> Kings and crowns and palaces will perish one day. But it's only his community that's going to last forever. Hallelujah. And so what are you building your life with? Is it wood, hay and you know, stubble? Or with precious stones of gold, silver. And precious stones that would last forever. Hallelujah. Let's ask the Lord this morning. And commit ourselves and say, yes Lord. If building your church, building your community of disciples is central to what you're doing in this world. And if you are planting and establishing and multiplying communities of Christ everywhere around this world. If you are setting apart a people for yourself from, for all eternity, from the beginning. If that has been what you've been doing through the ages. And if that is the one thing that you're doing in this age. And that is central to this age. For this world. I want to be part of that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wherever it is. Wherever God keeps us. Wherever God takes us. Wherever God positions us. Let that become central to our lives. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Whatever we do, let's focus on building his community for which Christ is going to come back again. That is going to last. That is going to last. Shall we pray? I want to request Pastor DeGraff to please come forward and pray a prayer of blessing over our lives. Lord Jesus we appreciate you we appreciate your presence Lord it's been too long that we have been so selfish yes Lord. we have not thought about you we have not thought about your will we have not kept you as a central theme or as at a central part of our lives 
all that we have taught about us ourselves and our families. But Lord, as your word has come to us, we pray that this word will change something about us. Yes, Lord. Lord, that we will become participators of your will. Amen. Building the community of disciples. Yes, Lord. That our interest will be to help others make more disciples for you. Amen. Even at our expense. Yes. Lord, give us that grace to sacrifice. Yes, Lord. Give us that grace to think about the works that Jesus Christ died for. What God, what Jesus gave his life for. Lord, may we be part completely. Give us that mindset. Yes, Father. Lord, we need a renewing of the mind. Yes, Lord. To change things. Yes, Lord. To Jesus. bring more people to you. Yes, Father. Because Jesus, you are coming back for your church. Yes, Father. Change things in our lives, Lord. Yes, Father. And we know that as you do that, Lord, many things, many wonderful things are going to also affect us. Amen. We are yes. grateful. We yes, are grateful Father. for your word. Yes, Lord. Which changes our mind and transforms our lives. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing of being part of your church. Yes, Father. We are grateful. Forgive us our sins. Yes, Lord. And Jesus. help us in all our ways. Yes, in Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.